All right, before today's show, I want to tell you about Amazon Automotive. Hey, car enthusiasts, here's something you probably didn't know. Amazon lets you shop auto parts, tools, and accessories quickly and easily from your PC or mobile device. Plus, Amazon offers free shipping on millions of items for Prime members. Are you a Prime member? Amazon carries top brands like K&N, PowerStop, Chemical Guys, Bosch, and more. And the Amazon Automotive Store also has a massive selection of parts, accessories, tools, fluids, and more. You can even shop for tires on Amazon. No more dealing with those shady guys at the dealership or the weird guys at the parts shop. Uh, You can check Fitment online for millions of parts using Amazon's Part Finder tool. Just enter your year, make, and model, and Amazon will tell you if it fits. Oh, I love it. Love that. Nothing feels better than buying with confidence, so use their customer Q&A as well as product reviews to research and ensure you buy the right part the first time. Not an automotive expert? Check out Amazon's library of automotive video content on Amazon.com slash MyGarage. Learn to install an air filter, change your oil, or just check out tips for driving off-road. Empower yourself, people. Go to Amazon.com slash MyGarage, enter your vehicle info, and start shopping our comprehensive automotive catalog. Add promo Spike, yep, my name at checkout. Boy, I wonder if I can do this for hot dogs tonight. Um, All you have to do is add Spike at checkout to receive $5 off on select orders, over $25 for a limited time. Restrictions apply. Visit Amazon.com slash promo terms for details. Now Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. All right, welcome to Spike's Car Radio. I'm here with a guy, um, fits, you know, just the sweet spot for this show, Cars and Comedy, Mr. Jay Leno. Hi, Jay. Thanks, that's me and Jerry, Cars and Comedy. (laughs) But when I think, you know, you and I have such a... Long history. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Sure. Um, because we, we're we part of that late night thing. You obviously a much bigger part than me. Um, but you, uh, and I don't know if you even remember this, you were like my first paying gig in comedy. Do you do you recall this in any way? No, no go ahead. Uh, this is 1986-87, uh, right? All right. A fella by the name of Jay Leno yeah. is going to be guest hosting for Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show on okay. Monday nights, right? right. And uh, Larry Jacobson, who I'm sure you know. Yeah, Larry, a good friend of mine, yeah. One of the greatest monologue joke writers of all time. Um, He's writing for Letterman at the time. Right. And he calls me up and says, Jay's looking for guys to write jokes for him. Right? Oh, okay. Now, I may, at that moment, I may, uh, I'm an intern, I think, at Letterman, kind of transitioning to receptionist at Saturday Night Live, right? And uh, I call you up on a Friday afternoon. And uh, you tell me that you're doing this, and here's the type of stuff you're looking for. And uh, and I say, great. Well, Jay, when when do you need jokes? And he said, well, you know, the show's Monday, and it's Friday, so get me something tomorrow. <clears throat> I had people coming over to the house for a party. I cleared that place out. Oh, that's hilarious. I said, I am writing jokes for Jay Leno. <laughs> but you weren't a stand-up. <laughs> I was not a stand-up. No, no. I was just a – you know, See, I was I, never a stand-up, really. I, I never like to take jokes from stand-ups because I go, you know, this is – you're going to hate me if I do this joke and it gets a big laugh because this is mm-hmm. your joke. Right, you know, right. Either be a writer or a stand-up. But if you're a writer and a stand-up, you're going to hate it every time you see somebody <laughs> else perform your material. But it's really true, you know? And so it worked out good. So I wound <clears> up <throat> always getting just writers. Well, for me, you know, up until that moment, I had written a couple of weekend update jokes. Right. And you were paying, I think, 50 bucks a joke. Right. Which, you know, I get two jokes on, I'm kind of doubling my salary. Well, there you <laughs> go. NBC, there you are. Right? And I did. I got, I think I got three jokes in that first And monologue. that was in 86. It's gone up a bit. Yes, it's gone up. Right. But um, it was a, you know, I'm watching The Tonight Show, you're hosting, and there there are my jokes on the air. Oh, okay. So exciting. And, I remember you know, it now that you mention it. Yes, I do. I didn't have a DVR. I had a little pocket uh, tape recorder with that little oh, mini tape, yeah, and right. I held it up to the TV, and I recorded it. Oh, there you and go. I just played it over and over and over again. But um, <clears throat> a very exciting part of my life. Um, but I want to, before we get into the car stuff, mm-hmm. I want to get into kind of the, the late night stuff because there are a couple of stories that I've always wanted answers to. One of them is, um, <clears throat> I think, probably 19, 
1991, kind of the late night wars, right, you know, right, with right. you and Dave and that whole thing going on. Not friendly like it was now. It was a little adversarial. It felt like I don't know what it was like from well, your not position. Really, I mean, there's so many myths that have, you mm-hmm. know. I was guest hosting for five years, and I was the only guest host, and so. You know, in NBC's mind, they had a hit show at 1230 with Mm -hmm. Dave, and they had The Tonight Show with Johnny. So Mm -hmm. he had two hit shows. Um, Plus, you know Dave. Dave's a bit quirky. (laughs) And, I mean, I remember one time one of the network executives asked for tickets for his kids. Right. Because Letterman had some uh, um, um, music act on the kids wanted to see, you know. Not little kids. I mean, teenagers. You right. Know, old enough to be in the audience. And Dave said no. And the guy said, just go sit in the back. No. <laughs> and I remember the guy saying in a meeting, oh, hang on. Well, let's see who's calling. Uh, saying in a meeting, I don't want to go through 20. I'm not going to do this mm-hmm. in the next 20 years. You know, and so it started out not on a good thing for Dave. And right. they had this other guy. And then CBS courted me. Uh when it looked, you know, as we got, as it was announced Johnny was going to uh, step down. And then... So I didn't know that. So you were potentially going to CBS and not Dave. Well, at, yeah. At they said, In fact, I still have the motorcycle they gave me. They gave me... <laughs> CBS bought me uh, Adam Ant's 64 Triumph Bonneville. Come on. And they said, here you go. Here's a present for you. And they, and they knew... Yeah, I'm not a money guy. Oh, something shiny and makes noise. <laughs> I said, "Oh, cool, this is good." And it's the plaque said, "Ride on over to CBS." Oh you my know. God! I said, "Oh, okay." And then I rode the motorcycle to NBC, and I said, "What's this?" I said, "Look at the plaque." What? I said, "Well, I don't know. They made me an offer," <laughs> and, and that's kind of how that I is insane. But, you know, you know always... for the most for most of us, that's just a call. Hey, come on and let's have a meeting. It doesn't start with a '64 Bonneville. You know, and by the way, I ride a 66 Bonneville. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that, that's an incredible thing. Here, <clears throat> here's what I want to know. So uh, there's a moment where I'm down in my office writing somewhere in the early 90s, and uh, there's a knock at the door, and Letterman comes in. <laughs> now, this is weird because Dave, you know, never comes down to my office unless we're shooting or right, something's right. going on. I'm two floors down below, so I know something's up. And he sits down on the couch, and he uh, cracks open a newspaper. Hey, Spike, what's going on? Starts reading the newspaper. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, nothing. And in my head, I'm like, am I, am I getting fired today? You know, am I in trouble? What is he wearing a wire? Is this a, is this right, a bit right. for Friday? What, what is happening? And he hangs out here in my office for 20 minutes. Making chit chat, you know, and I, I'm pretending not to have a white hot panic attack, right, right? right? Then he then he leaves and walks down the hall. So I, I call up Diamond or one of his assistants. Now I don't I don't know if this is true or this isn't true. And I go, what what the hell just happened? What is Letterman doing in my office? And she's like, uh, she said, now you can you can tell me if this is true or not. And I've been waiting to hear the answer for this for so many years and forgetting to ask you. She said you were in the building. You'd walked in to say hi to Dave. And that Dave was hiding. He, he wanted well, that, to keep that feud alive. Is that true? Were you? Did you ever go I, there? I did to, go there. I did go there. Yeah, to see Peter LaSalle and say hi to Dave. And you know, there was never a feud. I mean, there was no right. There was I no mean, animosity. I, it was I was just, guest hosting, uh-huh. and then they offered me the job, and I said to them, um, "They said, no, we want to do you. We have a hit show at twelve thirty. <laughs> We're going to keep Dave where it is." I said, okay. And somehow this turned into me stealing it and being a thief and doing all this kind of nonsense. <laughs> uh, well, you, you know, I mean, the story. I never heard that. No, I never heard get, that. Well, you get started, get so twisted. The, then, st- the real story was that NBC gave you the job, and, and that was it. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you win some, you lose some, and you moved on. I never truly. And then I did the show with Dave after that was announced. Right, right. You know. I never understood why Dave wanted to move to 1130, because I thought 1230 was such a cool show. Like, for me, that show was a beacon well, in college. you know, and... to those of us of that generation, Johnny was the guy. He was the guy, right, right. And, uh, you know, it you know, I don't think Dave ever really. I think he was more mad at the situation than right. he was at me. You're right, right. Um, and now I, you're close, right? I'm not, not close. I mean, it's hard to get close to Dave. Right. I mean, he's a good guy. Right. And, you know, when we first started, um, I was at the comedy store and I was a pretty good performer. 
but not a very good writer. But I had the ability to go, hey, let me, what do you know that, Bob? You know, be loud and, and <laughs> gregarious. And Letterman was sort of quiet and close. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then I saw Letterman go on stage. And I remember the, I remember the joke. He said uh, he was talking about editorials at the radio station that he worked at. And how, you know, superficial. She said, we here at WKR diametrically opposed to the use of orphans as yardage markers on public <laughs> golf courses. And I thought, you know, I love the way he put words together. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the term beverage mm-hmm. rather than a drink, adult mm-hmm. beverage. You know, I, I thought Dave was a, just the greatest wordsmith. And I went up and introduced myself. And, hey, how you doing? He goes, I, I, I said, I watched you. And he said to me, how can you have so much confidence up there? Isn't your stomach a nuts? I go, no, I just like to talk. And I realized, oh, i got to be a better writer. And I think Dave realized we had to be a better performer. Right. And, and until this whole silliness started, I think we sort of took from one another. You mm-hmm. know, my favorite thing to do when I did <clears throat> when I did the Letterman show was to um, uh, I would always stand in the hall with like a giant meatball sandwich, <laughs> and I would wait next to makeup. And when Dave would come around the corner, I'd be oh, oh, Dave, oh, oh, and I'd be eating. He goes, How can you eat? You're going on like five minutes. How can you eat the oh, Dave? This meatball, this New York, unbelievable. Yeah, and he would just get so flustered. And <clears throat> you were so great on the show because you'd always come on and talk about what you were angry about, and it was such a strong. Well, see, the great thing was, it, you know, you're from Boston, and you, with Johnny, when you grew up in New England, it was always Mister Carson, right? You couldn't give Johnny any grief, and mm-hmm. then suddenly he was Letterman, the guy, basically my same age, that I could go, yeah, hey Dave, nice tie, okay? You know, <laughs> I mean, you can't say that to Johnny because you're, right. you know. Even on the show, I go, oh, Mr. Carson. You go, Johnny. You know, it's like, me, like meet your dad's friends. Right. I'm going to call him Bob, you know. Right. And it was just awkward. So with Letterman, you could really sort of cut loose and and just kind of uh, let it flow. And it, it was just it – was, it was the most fun time of my life doing Dave. Because with Dave, it was always – the laugh always came on the way to the joke. Mm-hmm. Because he would jump in with an aside, you know. I'm a, oh, I moved. What we talk once is, you know, Dave, I was just out at the old Manson place seeing some of the guys. Oh, the old Manson place, you know. And then he would go off for five minutes about, oh, how's Charlie White? Oh, you know, something squeaky's good. They're all fine, you know. And it would just be, and we'd never really even get to the joke, but let him be laughing. And that was, that was always the most fun for me. Right. I mean, I really, really enjoyed that. And I think Dave probably figures in his mind, oh, by giving me that opportunity, that led to him not getting the Tonight Show. And that might be true, but... You know. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's just you, you get you get screwed by show business over. We've all been screwed, and that just seems like that's the moment. I don't know. I, I shot with Dave uh, something maybe six or seven months ago, and he's you know he's a completely different guy. Yeah, very, very relaxed, really happy. Yeah, super funny. He instantly had a fork full of relish, and he said, "Hey, Spike, what do you think of this?" Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just making you laugh from the moment you, you know, talk to he's him. He's a and, funny guy, and he and I would always make each other laugh. But he was. You know, he just had this inner conflict all yeah. the time. That, right. And I think I think I have that same conflict. Yeah, see, I don't. Have, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't really have that conflict. I noticed you don't. And I think he would be. How can you not have it? So that's the thing that sort of kept us from. You know, I mean, yeah. well, there's still time, Jay. You know, I mean, to if me, if I could broker a, a peace between the two of you, well, there's, oh, there's no, there's no. Fight. I, mean, imagine, I mean, don't forget, we did that Oprah commercial. No, I know, and, I know, you did all of this stuff. I mean, the most classic example of Letterman was. Uh, you know, I would come out and shake hands with the audience every night on The Tonight Show. And I remember one Dave had a thing where he wanted to shake hands with the audience. And he was behind a booth, and he had these rubber gloves that he stuck his hands through. And then people would come down and he'd shake hands. Right. And I go, that's that's, a, great. that's that's a classic Letterman joke. That's yeah. not a joke I could ever do because I, no. why would you wear the rubber gloves? But I, Dave, I, I mean, I got it. So I always, you know. And even when there was all the – you know, most of the animosity did not come from Dave. It came from peripheral people, Howard Stern and all these other people that, you know, were Dave fans and jumped right, in the Right, but, but as you know, you're on a show, you're in a bubble, you know, you're in that yeah. little little bubble and suddenly your reality is just that morning you walk through the door and then what you read everywhere, what your producers are saying to you yeah. and then out the door and then you, 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 you start to, you take action based on that. All right, we're gonna, we'll be right back with Jay Leno and uh, we're going to talk cars in a minute. 
All right, you know, we've been talking about Amazon Automotive, and I can tell you, uh, before these folks came on to sponsor us, I've had experience with Amazon Automotive, and I'll tell you what I loved about it. I had uh, a light go out on a, on a, on a, uh, an old Ferrari, right? An old Ferrari light goes out on a car, um, and I lose my mind when my cars are broken. So I went on to Amazon Automotive, and I searched for this thing, and guess what? I found it, and guess what? Because I'm an Amazon Prime member, they got me that part in two days. In two days. That's all I had to do live with my own broken light anxiety was for two days. Now you can do that too. You can uh, check for fitment online for millions of parts using Amazon's Part Finder tool. And just so, just in case you don't know what that means, is you find the part and sometimes you ask yourself, is this going to fit my car? Well, you go to their uh, part finder tool, and it just shows you. There you go. 1972 Ferrari GTC4. I know this is going to fit. I'm not going to get the part and have to return it. I loved it. And in in case you want to try and fix your car, too, and save yourself a lot of dough, which I highly recommend, you check out Amazon's library of automotive video content on Amazon.com My Garage. The videos are there. If you've never tried to fix your own car, look. You can always bring it in and have them fix your mistakes. But if you succeed in doing this, using one of Amazon's videos, you are going to be so happy. Not only by how much money you save, but you're just going to love that car and Amazon more. Um, So go to Amazon.com slash MyGarage, enter your vehicle information, and start shopping our comprehensive automotive catalog. Not our theirs. You're going to love this. And don't forget, uh, when you get to checkout, use promo code SPIKE to receive $5 off on select orders over $25 for a limited time. There are restrictions, um, but hell, you you send me a message and I'll lift every one of those restrictions. (laughs) Go to Amazon.com slash pro terms, promo terms. Go to Amazon.com slash promo terms for details. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, we're back with Jay Leno. Jay, the uh, 64 Triumph Bonneville, you still have that? Still got it. <clears throat> Never sell anything. That's the first rule. Really? So you don't ever sell anything? No, I donate stuff, like for Wounded Warriors or something like right. that. We'll, we'll have an auction, and you get ridiculous money for... I, I mean, I had a, a little Fiat 500, and we got $600,000 mm-hmm. for it. Not because it was worth anything or because my name was on it, but because the money was going to... Uh, you know, wounded veteran. It was going to a Fisher House, which right. is a, they build houses for veterans. But, and, but and why? Guy, but why not sell something? What What is the feeling? <laughs> yeah, tell, <laughs> tell me about that feeling. <laughs> what 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 is that? Explain that feeling. All to right, us. the feeling is like imagine every girl you went out with in high school, <laughs> and you go back now, and they still look the same. And oh, oh boy, that's, that's and, good. That's and, good. You know. And plus, the other cool thing about it is you sometimes in something lays fallow for a while, mm-hmm. you know, like Corvairs. I like Corvairs because so they, were, they were like the poor man's Porsche, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day. And and you don't drive one for a while. Oh, and then I'll be reading a car magazine about a guy who did something to it. Oh, let me get it in mind. Oh, it just feels like a brand new experience right, again. Right, And it really makes it fun. Plus, you know, if you're reasonably knowledgeable and you like something, It'll probably go up in value. Mm-hmm. Um, Corvairs, a little bit. Well, Corvairs have gone from <laughs> six hundred bucks to seventy five hundred to ten thousand. Wow, that's not bad. Yeah, but it, I mean, I think of stuff. I mean, I bought a Bugatti Type thirty seven for one hundred fifty thousand. Wow! And it turned out to belong to um, Pierre Veron, who was the Grand Prix driver. It was his car. He was a resistance war hero. In fact, Bugatti named their. Uh, Viron after him. Wow. And they, they asked me to bring mine to Pebble Beach to put next to it, and suddenly it becomes a $2 million car. Wow. You know, so right. if, if you hang on to stuff long, if you buy interesting But what, you know, things, to that point, you know, you, you have obviously a very big collection, um, and it starts to get very valuable. What happens when you, after you transition? Not my problem. <laughs> after <laughs> but, transition. <laughs> can, can we get more L.A.? Can I have a kale salad, please, with... With an, a touch of a, I knew you would like that. No, but I'm serious. Like you know, I I have other it's friends. It's not with big, my problem. But there's no plan. 
Oh, you don't have kids. I'll figure something out. Do you hand this off to your wife? Does she does she have any interest at all in cars? No. no is no, there no. going to be a J? No, that's uh, the thing that drives me nuts when I go to car shows <laughs> and the husband and wife have the matching Mustang shirt and pants. You know, and the wife <laughs> right. is down there and she's t- tightening the exhaust manifold and they go, no, no. no. You know, she's a prisoner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's been forced into that position. Yeah, yeah. But so you're, it's not like it, we're not going to be visiting the Jay Leno collection afterwards. You, is there yeah, some yeah, plan I to – I mean probably. I mean what I have now is my garage is not open to the public. But if people make a donation to a legitimate charity, mm-hmm. we they give a tour of the garage. You oh, know, that's so. cool. And it's 100% of the donation. There's no – Money deducted for expenses, you know. <laughs> I mean, that makes me so angry, those kind of like those fake wounded warrior guys. That, mm-hmm. you know, and you realize, you know, 20% goes to help. 20%? That's what, it. What's the other? Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, I try to avoid those ones. So <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is uh, you don't sell cars. You've obviously got a ton of them. What, you know. People call me a Porsche guy because I, I I collect Porsches. It's my favorite that, brand. Hence, what? that would be yeah, a Porsche. Yes. they call you are you are a I Porsche am. guy. I am, but yeah. I like Ferraris, Land right, Rovers, right, right. and I, I have a sort of a minor in Ford Mustangs. I like those Massachusetts right. muscle cars. What are what are you? You know, I like anything that rolls, explodes, <clears throat> and makes noise. Basically, mm-hmm. um, I I I found as I. As you get interested in something, you want to know what came before that, what came before that, what came before that. So then eventually you wind up with steam cars and stuff from the turn mm-hmm. of the century. Um, I, I, I like the brass era stuff because 40 miles an hour seems like 100. Right. So explain you brass know. era stuff for people the who don't know brass era stuff would be cars built before 1913 when they used a lot of brass wow. and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and the cars were hand assembled. You know, I had a guy named Victor Christian on The Tonight Show back in the 90s. He was 106 years old, and he was America's oldest car salesman. So <laughs> I bring him on the show, and I figure, I'm going to drive my 32 Packard, you know, to the show to show him. I drive the 32 Packard, and he comes on the Packard. What, what, what do you have the Packard there? What do you have there? It's a 1932. 32. He goes, you know something? After 15, they were nothing but shit. You know, and I go, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I said, okay. And I just thought that was the ramblings of an old guy. But then I got a 1911 Packard. And a thirteen, and they're hand assembled, mm-hmm. and everything is lapped in by hand. You drive, they're not fast, but they're precise, and they just feel so mechanical. You right. know, when you when you wind the mainspring of a really nice old fashioned pocket watch, it has that each click. Then mm-hmm. you get a cheap one, just you know. But the early ones, and you feel it ratchet each. You know, and that's what driving these old ones are like. And I realized by 1932, Packards were still great, but they were mass produced. The early ones were hand assembled. And since he was 106 back in 91 or 92 when I had him on, he was old enough to remember that. And wow. he, you know, I thought it was just interesting. Yeah, yeah. it is interesting. What is there anything that you uh, in your collection? It, you know, again, because I, I don't think I've even been by your garage. Well, you you haven't it. invited me yet. You can come by anytime. You want. I, I'd love to come by yeah, and yeah. see it because everybody I meet has seen it except for me. Right, you're um, welcome to come by. And then I think I might understand. But you know, you you've always when somebody asks me about you, in what I, what little I know about you as a collector, I always say you're a stories guy. That you buy cars based on the story that you hear coming in. Yeah, is that, that's is probably that true? true because a lot of times I get letters from people, and uh, there's a great story with the car. You know, mm-hmm. I, you what, know, what's one of your favorite stories? Well, I, I have a 67 Chrysler Imperial, a car I would never buy. Mm-hmm. So when they get a call from this old guy, Jay, uh, <laughs> what was his name? How does the old guy get Jay Leno's number? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the easiest guy. I was in the phone book up until. <laughs> Do you want to read off your phone a, number a right now? Years ago, <laughs> anyway, he calls me up. He says, I got a 67 Chrysler Imperial. How does it's brand new? Oh, original owner. Uh, yeah, I'm 93 years old now. Uh, I want to retire. I want to sell it to you. I said, "Well, I'm not really." No, you got to buy this car. <laughs> I said, "Well, all right. Where do you live?" He goes, "Beverly Hills." Beverly Hills. Well, that's right near me. Right, where in Beverly Hills? Sunset Boulevard. I said, so "Who lives on Sunset Boulevard? Where?" Mm-hmm. And and the expensive part. Right. Boulevard. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. So I said, oh, "Okay, I'll drive over." I drive over this guy's garage. It's the long drive. I feel like I'm. Uh, in that movie, uh, Sunset Boulevard, you mm-hmm. know. And, okay, and I pull up, and he's wearing a smoking jacket with an ascot, the white hair, 
He's 93, and he's got a guy 70 with him. He goes, this is my mechanic. He's a Chrysler guy. He serviced this car at my garage once a month every year since 1967, and he wants to retire. I said, well, it turns out the guy made, he was a movie producer, and he made African-American movies for African-American audiences, mm -hmm. but real movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had the black James Bond uh, the black, you know, version of you know when movies were segregated, but he raped, they were real movies, and and he had all the stars in the garage. I thought that's interesting, and then I see this one lady, white lady, and I go, oh, she's very pretty. Oh, that's my wife. It's like 1930. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, she, is she still with us? Oh yeah, she's here. So he goes, come on. And so we go in the house, and he goes, now he goes, he says to me. She doesn't want to come out because she doesn't look like that anymore. I mean, the picture was taken in like <laughs> 1947. Right, right. I said, okay. So I go up to the door. Hi, uh, whatever her name was. Jay, and I'm, oh, I enjoy your show program. You know, I'm not ready to come out right now. I said, that's fine. That's when he goes, she doesn't look like that anymore. You know, I said, oh, okay. All right. So it was just, and the house was was perfect, 1951, yeah, 52. Yeah. Immaculate, but nothing had changed in 50 years. Right. You know? So he goes, let me show you the car. So we go into the car, and for all intents and purposes, it's a brand new 67 Chrysler Imperial with dual air conditioners front and back that blow across each other. So it literally snows inside the car. <laughs> I mean, you have weather. In, it, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's yeah. It's the two-door crown coupe, just an enormous, the biggest car. It, mm -hmm. it barely fits in the garage. And what color? A gold. Wow. Gold with the black roof top. Of course. And he says to me, now, if you buy the car... You got to take all this crap with it. Come on, let's go to the other garage. Oh dear! So he go to the other garage, and he was so afraid he's going to have an accident. He bought extra bumpers, extra window glass, extra fender. He bought every part he needed in case his car was damaged. No kidding. And well, now I have to buy it. <laughs> How can I not buy this car? I mean, it literally floats down the road. It wow. is. It is the complete opposite of everything you know about cars now. It's the complete absent, deliberate absence of road feel. It's got the thin A-pillar, so you've yeah. got this massive windshield with nothing blocking you. And you feel like you're yeah. driving a big screen TV. You're in but, a parade. Those are parade cars. It floats car. down the road. It, it's Mr. Drysdale's car, basically, yeah. <laughs> from Beverly Hillbillies. And, I got, and, and, you know, I just love the story. I mm -hmm. mean, it's one owner. He bought it new. Oh, it's the greatest. And he that talked about the all the famous story. movie stars that had been in it, you know, and he, a lot of black actors I hadn't heard of, mm -hmm. but were big in the 40s and 50s. And, um, oh, there was one guy who was, uh, they used to call him the Black Gene Autry. I think he just passed away at age 100. I can't remember his name. Uh, but he was one of his guys. And it was just a fascinating piece of Americana, you know, this old-time guy lives in this mansion in, in Beverly Hills. I mean, literally hidden away. You can't see it from the road, just the driveway. Wow. And when you go up that driveway, it's 1955, yeah. maybe. Yeah. You know, he's got the big console TV, mm -hmm. you know, and it's got the, you know, the open the thing and it's got the record player on the other yeah, side. Yeah, no, I know what you're I saying. Mean, it's I, great. I, 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 I go, oh, how can I buy the car now? I have to Yeah, no, I, I get it. You know, I think I may have told you, I, I, I live in the same neighborhood uh, Steve McQueen lived in, mm -hmm. out in Brentwood. Oh, and I know cool. the folks that own his house bought it directly from Steve, and it's the same. They did not redecorate. Wow, they, they yeah. you know, bought it with the furniture. And uh, occasionally, I'm invited up there in one of my contraptions, in right. my 66 Triumph Bonneville, and it's that same feeling you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The castle, Steve's castle. The right. door's open, and you take this long, twisting driveway, and then you're in that driveway where he was photographed with his Lusso. Right, his, right. He had an old Land Rover Series 2A, which I didn't know. I have one of those. And, you, yeah, you go on this little fantasy ride that... You know, I like to think I'm kind of Steve McQueen well, in that moment, yeah, but would, I'm not. I would keep thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but it, you, you've raised such an important por point about this stuff. Like the experience of buying a car is something you carry with you every drive forward. Right, right. right. You don't really want to have a bad transaction, but this this rich story that you're told yeah. and it's experienced that day, you're going to think about that every time you drive. If that. I don't like the owner, I don't buy the car. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, because I like to think it's that, ugh, that reminded of that idiot, you know. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, you know. His skin flakes are in there. Yeah, every, <laughs> every one of them has some kind of a unique story that just make it interesting. All right. So, you know, uh, what does Jay Leno look for? What is there anything that you've never uh, found that you want? Is, you know, <clears throat> collect your car. I always say. Is there something you're jonesing for? I always say, be happy with what you have. 
Just make sure you have enough. <laughs> so it's about the number. No, I – But no. I would think at this point you've come across everything that you could possibly want. You know, want. it's the same thing when I, – I, I'm, I'm a great believer in chance. I never – I mean, I've, I've been married for 37 years, so I don't I, – but when I was single, I just – I think you just answered that phone call. Honey, <laughs> I mean, I'm still in a radio interview. Oh, that's his are. wife right now. He's checking with her. What was it? This happens when we're doing uh, car I'll shows. Call back. I'll call All right. Back. I'll call. Oh, okay. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back with Jay Leno. He's handling a personal issue. All right. I'm back here. I want to talk more about Amazon Automotive. You know, uh, if you're like me, you use Amazon pretty much for anything because you can be uh, – I'm always up in my office and I realize, hey, you know what I need? I need uh, protein shakes. I need uh, toilet paper and I need dog food and I, I don't want to go to the store because I'm lazy. So I use Amazon. And I've recently found out that Amazon has an amazing automotive department. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. They're carrying uh, parts from top brands like K&N, PowerStop, Chemical Guys, Bosch, and more. Just that list right there, you know what those guys are doing. You know, when, you, when you're looking for a car part, you get lost. And then, you know, if you're like me, you go on eBay, you're not quite sure you're getting the right part for the right year car. Or even if it's, if it's going to come, you know, faster than three weeks. Well, with Amazon Automotive, if you're a Prime member, that stuff can get to you in it's, it's sometimes 24 hours. You know, and once they get that drone operational, they're just going to drop the part right on your head the second you order it, and then you put it right into your, your car. You want to use Amazon Automotive. You can shop for tires there. Tires, people. Think about that. You're not driving to the weird tire shop and talking to those weird guys where they say, okay, sit here and uh, we'll be done with you in a couple hours. And you look across the way with the, the magazine that someone took to the bathroom and you just don't want to be there. What you do now is you, you go to Amazon Automotive, you buy those tires, they're delivered right to your door. No more shady guys at the parts shop. But not all guys at the parts shop are shady, but most of you are. You should know that. You, you clean, wash your hands every once in a while. Um, you can check Fitment online for millions of parts using Amazon's Part Finder tool. Just enter your year, make, and model, and Amazon will tell you if it fits. So go to Amazon.com slash MyGarage. Enter your car's information and start your shopping experience with their comprehensive automotive catalog. Add promo code SPIKE, S-P-I-K-E, at the checkout and receive $5 off on select orders over $25 for a limited time. Restrictions apply. Visit Amazon.com slash promo terms for details. And speaking of automotive, don't forget, Car Matchmaker has successfully transitioned... I know, Jade, you don't like to say that, but it's successfully transitioned from a dead network, Esquire, to NBC. We are going to be on NBC Sports. Our run has already started through the month of October. All you need to do is, uh, I, I think we're wrapped around uh, Formula One racing and NASCAR. And look, if we do well, if you folks watch, I know you've seen the first three seasons of the show. They're running them again. If, if we do well, season four is on the horizon. We're almost there. Car Matchmaker on NBC Sports. Look for it when you're searching your DVR for shows. And here's what, you know, I want you to DVR every single one of these and watch these shows. And I promise you, uh, if we do well, we will be doing a uh, season four. So look for Car Matchmaker on NBC Sports this October. All right, let's talk more to Jay. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, back here with Jay Leno. Um, again, thank you for doing this. This is really exciting yeah, no for me to have you here. Um, we were talking about cars that you were looking for. Apparently, you're not looking for anything, but um, I know you just got the new Ford GT. Amazing. And car. brought it out to Trancus at the Cars and Coffee and right. made a big splashy exit from the car with yeah. your Nixon fingers up in the air. There you go. That's <laughs> I right. saw it on Instagram. It was super cool. Tell us about the car. You know, what, you know you're liking it. You've been in it for how long now? Couple of months. Uh, very impressed with the car. You know, I. How, how did you get the? Is this the first one that was delivered to a customer? What's one of the, my? I, I bought one in two thousand five. Right. Car number twelve. Okay. What happened was in two thousand five, the first ten cars went to members of the Ford family. Number eleven, I auctioned off for charity, mm -hmm. and then I, I got to be able to buy the first number twelve. Um, and so I asked if this could be number twelve too. 
And so they did that. Um, and why 12? Uh, just because the first one was 12. I just, see. Just matching serial just numbers. Just matching numbers. You're doing matching that game. Numbers Seinfeld yeah. does that, yeah. too, with these yeah. numbers. But he believes that some numbers are lucky. Like if there's a nine in it or if it adds up to nine, that's going to mean good fortune. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll be back with Jerry some more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've now absorbed that too. I look for that too, but I, but I don't care. But continue. Tell tell us about this new car. Well, I it's mean, a real chassis car. Okay. And that the first car was a road car that looked like a race car, the GT. This one is a race car that they've modified to be a road car. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit more pure that way. But it's you know. Are you daily driving it? How how are you driving I'm not this? Not daily driving it. I drive it a lot. I mean, it's it's like champagne. If you drink it every day, now you're an alcoholic <laughs> and you've got a thing full of tickets. You know. Uh, I mean, it's it's. I use it the way I use a motorcycle. I never take a motorcycle when I have to be somewhere, because that means I'm going to be rushing through traffic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be lane splitting. I'm going to be having accidents. Right. Right. Um, you know, I predict all these cars in the future will be like snowmobiles or ATVs. You take your electric whatever to go to work every day because it's not, why drive a Ford GT and 405 bumper? Mm-hmm. There's nothing there. Right. So, And then on the weekends, you use it as you'd use any recreational vehicle mm-hmm. just to enjoy the enjoyment of going for a ride it. and driving up on the hills. And, and that's pretty much what I use it for. You know, I get some free time. Oh, let me go up and do the Angeles Crest and come back. And I just enjoy the process of driving the car. And it, it gets a bit of grief because it's a V6. But, you know, in Europe, the six-cylinder engine has always been king. Mm-hmm. Um, it's light. The engine is... Where, where is this grief coming from? Just people running their mouth at a car's yeah, coffee? Yeah, well, or... that, it, that it's always the same block as <clears throat> right. the Ford F-150. I'll tell you what I be. don't like about it, and What's I don't that? want to lead off with a complaint. Okay. I, uh, the seat's not adjustable, right? Well, no, the seat is way more... I've got a McLaren F1... I mean a P1 and an F1. I've run into the yeah. into you in that car, and you had to put a towel down, right? This, this is to, way more comfortable. <laughs> Isn't that the, the car you you put? You had an American flag towel or something that for, for the buttockly challenged. <clears throat> yeah, right. I eventually it, got another seat from McLaren that was a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, the Ford, the seats are bolted to the to the frame or the right. chassis, the carbon fiber. And then you pull a thing, and the pedals and the steering wheel move. It's it's, uh-huh. it's basically so the it's same. the same. It's the same thing. Uh, much more of a, a comfortable car of a long distances mm-hmm. than the F one. I, I, I find <clears throat> the P one. I mean, do you ever do long road trips in any of these cars? No, do I don't. Because I always have to be back to do something. Right, right. So I enjoy just going out for a couple of hours and score. My attention span is not great. <laughs> you know, I'm not one of these people. We're going to do the cannonball two weeks across America. Well, all right. And then you hit I Iowa, can... and okay, what do you go nine hours of this? Really? I and mean, then I have to talk to the people at night at dinner. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't do rallies either. Actually, I don't. I don't mind that. I like talking to people. I just don't, you know, I don't do those cannonball things because you don't want to be a rich guy who killed little Timmy on the bike. Yeah, exactly. You know, these, there's always a guy that races ahead <clears throat> 120 mm-hmm. miles an hour, mm-hmm. to, you know, and it's, I just enjoy the driving part of it. You know, if you get a ticket by yourself, it's speeding. If you get a ticket with another car, it's exhibitionist, speed, mm-hmm. which is a whole different, more serious ticket. It's, it's racing. It's endangering the public good. Mm-hmm. You know, they have like five different things for the same ticket. <clears throat> it and stays they, on your insurance for seven years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 yeah. It's, I might be someone speaking from experience on yeah, that one. It's not. <laughs> that's what I mean. So when I see these cannonball guys and they got the Lambo with uh, Viagra painted on the side yeah. or whatever it is, and they're just tearing through the little towns, you just look like. Rich guys who couldn't. All right, you want to hear how I got my exhibition of speed? Go ahead. 68 Cougar XR7 convertible. It just moved to LA, and I decided to light up the tires outside of the bar I was at with my friends. Oh, boy. That was the end of it. Now, I think I would have been fine. But the the lovely young lady who was with me decided to uh, badmouth the cops, which you just don't badmouth the cops in that moment. (laughs) She, you know, used a series of expletives and uh, tried to tell them off. She had a roommate who uh, worked at LAPD, and she thought she had a right to say that to this gentleman. And oh, well, yeah, it's not good. No, he took it out on me. So, but horrible, horrible ticket, seven years. It's, it's one notch under a DUI, wow. but it didn't involve alcohol. 
right. it's just like you are street racing and you were in big trouble. Um, I love that little tip you just gave about motorcycle riding because I, I've been riding a motorcycle since I was 12 years old. Right. And my friend Scuzz, Massachusetts, right. <laughs> my buddy, he came from a motorcycle riding family, gave me the best piece of advice, which is uh, you will die in an intersection. He goes, eyes and ears open in that intersection and stay just to the right of the center line when yeah. you're in a – those two pieces of advice have kept me safe and you never go since I was line. 12. You know why? What is that? You don't go center because right. that's where the oil is. Right. Cars, cars oh, don't really, really drip great. oil anymore. But, but, uh, this, but this don't be late. Don't, yeah. If you're late, don't take a motorcycle. Right. Yeah, that is a great tip. Yeah, you really yeah, – you don't do that. You don't do that. How, how much are you on a motorcycle these days? A lot. I figure, you know, I'm 67, so I got maybe one good crash left. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just because when you when you fall down now, Jesus, it hurts. Oh my God! Ow, ow! It's like weeks of ow, jeez, ow. So and uh, plus, you know, I'm driving hundred year old bikes that really don't have brakes. Yeah. So you've just uh, you learn to use Your accident anticip- avoidance technology. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me, red eyes. Excuse me, sorry. Excuse me, coming through. You know, you just have to be careful. Uh, you know, I, I like the old. Super bikes from the 20s and 30s that are the most, most dangerous contraptions, <laughs> but they're just so sexy and fun. Uh, but, but yeah, but I am riding a lot now because I figure, what have I got? Maybe five or six more years of riding before mm-hmm. stuff really starts breaking. Right, open. right. All right. Well, we're going to take one more break, and then we'll be back to talk to Jay about his new CNBC show, new season coming up. Has that been announced yet? Well, you know what it is. It's really the same season. They just split it into two. We shot. Six. Well, yeah, but you're you're headed into season four. Uh, yeah, we shot sixteen. Now they showed eight, and they wanted to wait three months and show the second eight. So okay, cool. I guess it's a new. Well, season. let's talk about. Yeah, that. yeah, sure. I, I want to talk about your CNBC show. Yeah, I yeah. want to talk about crashing. We'll be right back. Okay. All right, one last time. I am uh, loving Amazon Automotive. You know, um, while I'm doing interviews, I'm frequently ordering parts. And I'm not lying. I When something breaks on my car, and, and you folks are probably just like me, you lose your mind. You feel like one of your kids has a broken arm, and you immediately set out and try to find this part. You know, let me tell you, I told you one light story. Let me tell you another one about my co-host, The Real Zuckerman. He had his 964 sunroof delete Japanese Porsche 911 at the house and it had a broken side light, right? This is a Japanese market Porsche 911 from 1992, I believe. And guess where I found the replacement part? Amazon Automotive. I, I put it into their little search thing. I put the car in and boom, I had that part in one day. This is something I couldn't find on eBay. This is something I couldn't find anywhere else. Amazon Automotive delivered it like they deliver everything else. So if you're not an automotive expert, check out Amazon's library of automotive video content at Amazon.com backslash MyGarage. They'll teach you how to install that light, air filters, change oil, water pumps, the whole deal. Empower yourself, people. You are going to love this. Go to Amazon.com slash MyGarage, enter your car's information, and start your shopping experience from their comprehensive automotive catalog. And don't forget, put promo code SPIKE in there at checkout and receive $5 off select orders, over $25 for a limited time. So uh, restrictions apply. Visit Amazon.com slash promo terms for details. Don't forget to enter my name. And by the way, you have my permission to enter my name anywhere, any place that you want. Put it on a wall in Australia. I don't care. Hey, my name is James Petrogallo. I'm Jimmy Wisman. Please join us every single Tuesday for Crime in Sports. So fun. You like sports? You don't have to. Let's just set up a context and find out what an idiot did wrong. What I do like you say? It. I'm in. We're going to do that each and every week. We take an athlete, we break him down, we make fun of everything he's ever done. Yeah. But in order to do that, we have to build up and tell you all about their career and get you to what, James? To grace. grace. And then right. watch them fall from grace, Who as they inevitably like do. Join us. Big criminals, small yeah. criminals, sports you've never heard of. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's the crime. It's the comedy. It's such a good time. Join us every Tuesday for Crime in Sports. You can join us every Tuesday at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on all Apple products. Find us every Tuesday and laugh at people. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right, we're back with Jay Leno. The CNBC show is Jay Leno's Garage. Right. It right. just grew out of that. The show's fantastic. You, you, we were just talking about crashing, and last time I saw you, 
I wanted to ask you about that crash that you had in the, uh, it was a 2,500 horsepower Hemi under glass. Oh, the Hemi under glass, yeah. With the... Bob Riggle, legendary right, right. stunt driver. Right. Well, well Bob's <laughs> Even not a, mo- he's not a stunt driver. He's, he's, well, he drove the, the Hemi under glass right. when I was and, a kid. And, and tell everybody what happened in case they didn't see it. Uh, well, we all uh, saw it. We should explain. The Hemi under glass is a Plymouth Barracuda. Mm-hmm. That they put the big Hemi V8 behind the back seat, okay, to make a race car. Now, a, a dragster or a race car? No, it's a, it's a, like funny car, I guess you'd call it. Okay, uh, it was to be an exhibition car to race. The trouble was, the front end kept coming up right. on it, and it was fast, but it wasn't as fast as some other ones that had more mid-engine placement or even front-engine. Kind of like our Dodge Demon that's coming out. Yeah, kind of the same (laughs) thing. The front end is coming out. Yeah, kind of the same thing. So then they figured, you know, people went nuts when the front end would come up. So they said, well, let's just take it to the next level. So they put a glass floor in Mm -hmm. so you could, so when it got up, you could drive and see down the road. Um, (laughs) So the idea they made an exhibition car would literally jump. I mean, all four (laughs) wheels would come off the ground because it would go on the back bumper. It would just leap up the bang. And then then it would go go down the drag strip with the front end up in the air. And it became, uh, back in the 60s, you know, Sunday, Sunday, down the so-and-so, come on, little Saga Stragway, you know, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) It became a huge, a huge... uh, so, money maker. Explain to me this glass floor. I, I've never heard this before. Well, the idea is when the car is it, what, is it is it tempered glass? What no, kind it, of... well, it, it's a piece of Lexan plastic. Okay. The, and the... where is it with respect to like the foot pedals? Well, okay. Imagine you're sitting in the car. The foot pedals. Uh, imagine where the transmission would be. Right. Don't forget, everything's in the back, so yep. there's nothing there. It would come up, and since you were vertical, you could see. On the track where you were. Don't so forget, it's just under your knees. Yeah, then. just under your knees. You just look a little to the side. You know where some of the '60s cars used to have the tachometer. Remember they put right, it on the right. transmission, right there. So this way, when it's on the track, you could you could sort of guide it. Right, you know? right. Yeah. You know, God, I, I had no it idea. It had a solid axle. So yeah, no, it makes the, sense. The brakes, two pedals. You could push either brake to, to sort of. Guide it down Have you ever road. driven anything like that? Have you ever tried that? Yeah, it's actually a lot of fun. I, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Looking through the floor? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And you just, I mean, you, you, it's pointed in a straight line. Yeah, so you're no, looking through the it. floor just to make sure you, you're following uh-huh. the line, you know. And that's why it was done. And, and what had happened there was we were out at uh, Pomona. No, or Pomona, Fontana. There's a. Um, I think that's Pom- Pomona, yeah, right? a little circle track. And we were in the center of it shooting for the show and it has a bit of a lip mm-hmm. and bob got a little sidewards so we have bob in there he's how old at bob this point? Riggle. bob's 80 was 81 he's 81 he's showing you the car you yeah. hop in yeah we were filming it right and uh it got a little sideways and just boom boom went over but it showed you do you see how we minimize that well did it just boom 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 go are you guys well we go- had all kinds of safety equipment google google this clip because this blew my mind. This crash blew well, my it, mind. Because, you know, on Car Matchmaker, I'm constantly in right. the passenger seat with right. amateur drivers, cameras in their face, yeah, right, a right. producer, right, right. and me yammering at them yeah, in yeah. traffic. And I'm afraid of dying. Well, this That's was... the first rule I tell my people. Don't kill the host. This was my worst nightmare. And well, if you've Googled it, you're looking at it now, well, you'll see what I mean. It was really funny because we rolled over. You rolled and you rolled. Nickels in a, a coffee couple, can. Right. And then the... And then the uh, the doctor comes over and says to Bob, what's your name? He goes, my name's Bob Riggle. I'm 81 years old. He says to me, what's your name? And I said, my name is Bob Riggle, and I'm 81 years old. One of these two men is the real Bob Riggle. Oh, my God. Let's play to tell the And I got a big laugh. So I instantly it, called Jerry up, and I was like, did you see Leno's line after the crash? Yeah, we were a, like, it genius. A, it got a good genius. laugh. The other little thing I noticed that really made me admire you in that moment more was the presence of mind of pulling, tucking your arm in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to have my arm out. Like, right, and I was holding onto the window. So yeah. I realized once we started to go over, oh, okay, my arm. And you're watching to... that clip and you've got that arm because if that arm goes out the window, you're yeah, losing. You, you, you lose. answered your phone again. Oh, oh. There you go. Oh, that, that's Mike. Mike, I'll call back. Didn't really <laughs> <go>. right. <laughs> we should just take calls. Mike, do you have a question? Mike, you have a question. No, I just thought that was the coolest. And, and as I was telling Actually, you. Actually, it was like the most. 
played automotive clip of like 2016. It's insane. And I and I told you, I think, when we were chatting last week that I had busted my rib um, shooting something with Tony Hawk on an electric skateboard. I crashed at 30 miles an hour and busted a rib from ouch, this ouch. pilot I was shooting at. And that was earlier this year, and I'm still feeling it. I know. It really. When are you 68? It really I'm hurts. 53, and I'm, I know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then I started thinking on the way here, this isn't your first big crash. You had that Carrera GT crash at Talladega? Well, that wasn't a crash. That uh, was a, sl- a slap. Well, what happened was... But you're, you're on another oval. You're in the Carrera GT, a car we know ha- can kill people. Well, and- no, no. See, that's unfair because it's, 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 uh, it's a matter of knowing. I mean, it gets this reputation. Right. No, it, I, it, I understand. It, it, I mean, I think that's fair to say. But but that a car that people have died in. Let let me say it that way. <laughs> well, well then, well, okay. Let, let, now we're talking Toyota Corolla. But and you're in. You're on an oval. What we're trying to do is do a hundred laps. Right. At a, between 180, 190 miles With an hour. With a big cement wall. Yeah. So we do. I was, we're doing 188. Trying to average 188. Okay. Going around. Okay. So then the guy gives me the thumbs up. That's good. You got it. And I said great. And I was coming down the, the straight. And I just lifted my foot off the throttle, and the wind grabbed the back of the car and is. whipped it. But you know, there's that old thing: if you're always going to hit what you're looking at, right? You know, when you're racing in a car, if you're going fast, you see a tree. Oh, you're still staring <laughs> at a tree. You're moving that steering wheel. It's really not moving. Yeah. Your trick is to move your head, and your hand will follow. Yeah. And, and you said, "Look over there." So I managed to spin five or six times on the main straight. And drove it back. I mean, we, mm-hmm. the tires were all blocked. I mean, they all got chunked. Right, right. But no, I only I mean, say that because that's the worst kind of crash yeah, you can have, right? We, it's on an oval and into the wall. Yeah, that's we didn't wreck the car. No, so that you're was right, okay. You're right. so that was but you know, right. I did that same thing. I was at the uh, Carrera GT launch in East Berlin, and and that's the one thing they said not to do when you're t- going around a turn. Right, right. Don't lift because you're going to lose it and you won't get right, back. Right, right. Yeah, that's. The but no, I think Porsche that thing, that yeah. car is. Uh, you know, it's the, the, the purest heroin you can buy. It's the, the heroin that kills the junkies, and everybody goes, hey, it's, I want some of that. You know, it's a, well, I'll tell you a funny story about it. It came out 2004, You still have yours. still have mine, yeah. I bought it new. So a couple of years ago, I called the dealer, and I said, I need some shocks. Uh, what is it? Carrera GT? What year? I said, 2004, 2005. He goes... You know, we don't really work on much of the old stuff. I go, the old stuff? It was half a million bucks when I bought it nine years ago. Uh, he said, I don't know if any of those guys that work on it are still around. What, what are they, 40 now? How, how old? What do you mean if they're still around? I'm not talking about a 1929 SSK here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a car that's eight years old. But you know, that's what it is now. You have these cars. It's kind of like, remember the book Fahrenheit 451? Yeah, I do. Everybody remembered one book. Mm-hmm. They, they, they was book burning, so they all memorized one book. And I meet guys, and all they do are Carrera GTs, and they travel the country. There's a guy, a friend of mine, who just does – there are 64 McLaren F1s. And every year, every couple of months, rather, he's on a different continent servicing. And he Mm -hmm. services every single one – Pani is his name. He services every single one in the world, and he just travels around doing them. Uh, SLR Mercedes, Mm -hmm. same thing. The 918 Porsche, I mean – Probably the most high-tech, complex car You have one of those? Ever. No, I don't. Jerry has one. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic car, but this, I mean, you go to a Porsche dealer, they don't know. I'm like, uh, you know, right, of you course. Got, you got to bring in the surgeon from, you know, it's like when you're mm-hmm. you know, in an accident, they go, you're lucky you're in town when this guy was here. <laughs> well, you'd be dead. And, and, and that's really what it is, because these cars are so specialized, and you have guys that spend years on that car. And they spend the rest of their life just doing that car. People right. seek them out. A lot like the, uh, you know, the twin cam Porsche from the 60s mm-hmm. and the 50s. You know, there are guys, that's all they do. Mm-hmm. There's not that many of them left. But to take the tweezers and put those roller bearings in and make mm-hmm. sure they're exactly right and all that kind of stuff. So, Well, you want to get those shocks fixed for sure in yeah. that Carrera GT because there's a little metal rod in there and a piece of rubber that seizes up and kind of makes it stiff, and that's where the back end starts to jump. Yeah, that's, what I, that's, jump. What, that's what I had. That was the problem yeah. I had with mine. How many Porsches do you have? I'm doing a 911T, a 71. Really? I have a three. God, I'm so obsessed with those today. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. looking for. They're really, You know, I found this one in Beverly Hills. Again, uh-huh. story. Woman calls me. Well, what color? Uh, I call it baby poop brown, but it's sepia. Sepia, sepia which brown. I hated it. And then I, I owned a sepia brown. Once 74. I once I buffed it up, oh, I like this. Yeah. So 
But you will hear baby poo from every yeah. woman in the neighborhood. But it's an original, it's a one on a car. Black and tan interior? No, tan interior. And the owner stored in his mother's condo right around the corner here in Beverly Hills, put mm-hmm. it in there in 96. And, you know, got married, moved away, got sick. And then he died. And it sat for 20. When I went to look at it, it had four flat tires and no keys. Mm-hmm. And Mileage? Yeah. Fifty-two thousand, oh, and, and we took it back to my shop, and flat bedded it back. Not a drop of rust, mm-hmm. nothing on it, nothing wow. on it. So uh, it was a good deal. Yeah, and, that's amazing. Yeah, it was twenty-five grand. I mean, I'm great. trying to buy back my nine eleven T that I stupidly sold this because why I, I don't did not anything. listen to Thank Jay Leno. Yep, <laughs> and I am currently getting screwed on that deal. I I I, I decided to go through this this dealer who sold it for me and who I sold it to originally, and oh. now he's holding me hostage. Yeah. He's holding me hostage. You but know, I, I think the 911T, especially uh, 70 to 73, is the perfect, just relaxing uh, 911. Yeah, all I've done to, to this one, I've put the twin plug head on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've taken it to 2.5. You're going to hot rod it. <laughs> no, not, not really hot. You just want it to go a little faster. Massage it a little bit. Right. 2.5, not too seven. That's a lot. You know, yeah. um, just to give it a little bit more oomph. And uh, a wonderful driving car, very relaxing car. My 356. A twin cam. You know, it's so funny. Those older cars, you know, you're getting a, a new McLaren or Ferrari and stuff. You step on the gas and, reet, reet, reet. Okay, what, what? Now you're doing 130 <laughs> and you're in jail. You know, you, you get in the old Porsche right. and it's fun just to watch that needle sweep across the yeah. track. You just hear it. You can enjoy the music as the revs grow. And mm-hmm. You know, I've got a 1964 Honda 600S, this little sports car. It's a 600 cc's. It's 54 horsepower, twin cam, uh, uh, roller bearing crank. I mean, if it said Porsche on it, it'd be a million bucks. The red line is 9,500. And it just screams. But you're only going 50, 60 miles an hour. But it's just a lot of fun, the sensory experience. Mm -hmm. You know, I get so annoyed with these cars. And we pipe an exhaust like noise through the speakers so it sounds oh, like oh yeah forget well, that all right and why don't i get a love doll too and just play with that you know what i mean i mean it doesn't yeah, yeah. i mean you, you're missing out on the whole experience we, of the car. is it true that you you won't buy a ferrari do you own no a ferrari? no it's not that i won't no it's not you know in the 80s and 90s i always tried to buy them i would see one advertised and i would go look and they all had twenty-seven thousand miles even if they had that in 72 they mm-hmm. have that now and I always be, I'd like to buy it. Well, I'm not doing Mr. Hakka, who is in Pakistan, is the current. What? <laughs> what, what, what yeah, okay. And, you know, I think they're wonderful cars. I mean, yeah. they're unbelievable. I've driven the new Enzo. I've driven, I mean, the Enzo. Well, I don't mean the new stuff, the, the old stuff. Yeah, even the F40, I love. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, when Ferrari was the only game in town, there was a bit of arrogance with right. a lot of the dealers, you know, Italian air in the tires and go to this. And, <laughs> and you got to buy two Mondials before you can buy this. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to give Ace, the salesman, 10 grand in an envelope. <laughs> I, you know, can I just buy the car? <coughs> that was. Uh... That's still going on, <laughs> by the way. Well, that was the great thing about Porsche. When I bought my McLaren, my uh, Cura GT, they brought it to my garage in a flatbed. There you go. They sent over two mechanics. Right. We put it up on the lift. They showed me how to service this, mm-hmm. how to take out the battery, how to do this, how to do that. No kidding. They showed me the jacking points. I, and I felt like a customer. Right. You know, every couple of weeks, uh, your Porsche is, is being built right now. Here's a book. Here's a jacket. Here's a pen and pencil. So, whatever it might be. You mm-hmm. know. Same thing with McLaren. When I bought my 12C. I ordered the uh, carbon fiber brakes, and they said, uh, "You going to track the car?" I said, "No, I just—it's a street car." They said, "Save twenty grand. Just, just get the, uh, just get the cast iron. You'll find it works better on the street. It doesn't need to heat up to work. It's, you know, it'll be as hard as you. If you're not pushing it hard on the track, you don't need." And they were right. And mm-hmm. I said, and I, and I appreciated <laughs> being treated as a customer. You know. Um, a Ferrari, I think, has changed. I think now they realize they got real competition. Yeah, from, they absolutely from do. all these companies. So now you've got a seven-year warranty. Mm-hmm. No, and they're all very good. It's just that uh, I like to go. How much is something? And I'll pay the sticker. That mm-hmm. seems fair. That's what the manufacturer said. 
I don't want to give some guy another fifty grand over a sticker. What, 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 why? Why should, it doesn't cost. Do that you? Much. Does it bother you at all when you're driving one of your cars? It's worth a lot of money. Is there a value that makes you nervous? Like you have some pretty valuable stuff. Well, I'll tell you. A but some story. people, like I, I don't, I don't care. You know, it's a car. I it enjoy seems driving like, it. Right. I mean, but some well, people the F1 want... McLaren. Anything you do to it is a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, so that's, that's a what crazy. it costs to fix it, right? And even the P one, P one's got that little splitter, that little piece of carbon fiber right. in the front. It's about what thirty six inches long. It's about a quarter of an inch thick. If you crack that or break it, uh-huh. you can get a new splitter or a Z06 Corvette. Mm-hmm. They're the same <laughs> price. They're eighty four thousand. But do you get do you get anxious when you make a mistake or you break something on your car? Because like it, it ruins my day. It ruins twenty four hours of my day if I do something. Well, like... it does, and if I manage to fix it, it makes my day. Yeah, because exactly. now I feel I bonded with the automobile. Right. In, yes. in some way. Yes. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what annoys me a little bit about modern stuff. I mean, I appreciate it more than, you know, we grew up in the day when if you bought a Harley or a Triumph or whatever it was, you'd buy it, and then you'd buy the kit to give you three more horsepower, you put that on, and then you'd buy the exhaust headers to give you two, and you'd sort of earn your horsepower and Mm -hmm. and build it up. Now you just buy something that's flat out crazy fast, but you you didn't bond with it. You have no experience Mm -hmm. with it. You know, BMW guys are good that way because they know how to take them apart and fix them. Another reason I like Porsche and Corvette is... The owners brag about how many miles I have instead of how few miles. Mm-hmm. You know, when I watch any of these tuner shows, the hot cars are always a Corvette and Porsche. They go out on the track and they flog them. They hit 220 or 240 or whatever it is, and they take them around. I rarely see it with any of the Italian exotics because mm-hmm. people don't want to break it. And they oh, what if it breaks and it's going to be six months <laughs> finding it? You know, all that kind of stuff. So, right. you know, there's an earthiness to the Porsches. I mean... Uh, people have no problem buying a Porsche with 150,000 miles on it. Of course it's, not. It's, it's no. Fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's broken in. It's going to run into 300. Depends yeah. on the car. Now, yeah. I just came out of my 58 Speedster. I was daily driving it for a week with the 66 and the Series 2A. Just only old stuff right. to uh, cleanse the palate uh, for this uh, Macan GTS press car I just got. Okay. I wanted to experience it uh, new. Right. I knew if I was in a GT3 or something new, it would feel like a diminished driving experience. Right. But what I remembered was every morning when I when I woke up and there's a little note like, hey, you got to get the kids, pick them up from school, or you got to drop James to soccer practice, or I have to drive into Hollywood for a meeting, I have a little moment of panic like, you know, crap, all I've got is my 58 Speedster. Right, right. And, and then I, was... I would get in the car and drive it, and it, it was fine. And yeah. I would be in traffic, and I would get to where I needed to go well, and do what know, I needed to do. Where kids are involved, that's where I kind of draw the line. Like, well, I always... that's the Series 2A. <clears throat> that's the old Land Rover. Yeah, I always yeah. meet guys that say, I want to get my kid a 65 Mustang. No, you don't want to do that. And I say to them, you know, a, a car you walk away from <clears throat> right. 20 years ago would kill you. Exactly. I mean, when I was in high school, kids got killed. Twenty miles an hour yeah. hitting a tree and the steering column crushed their chest or whatever it might be, you know. So I would never buy a kid anything older than two thousand five, just because it doesn't right. have the airbags. And once they are old enough to understand what's going on, well, then you make the choice that you want to take the chance. Yeah, and, yeah, you know exactly. You, you know, I'm always amazed when I get into, uh, you know, one of the funniest things I ever saw, and I love Seth Myers. <laughs> Let me preface the story. No, no, I do. But he, I you do, know, I Jerry really had him on Cars and Coffee. Yes. And I think Jerry took him in a Porsche. Mm-hmm. And Seth said, what year is this car? I think he's 76. Isn't this dangerous? I mean, it doesn't have this. Yeah. It doesn't have that. And I, it just sort of <laughs> – and, and Seth is right. He's right. It, but it just made me laugh because there's a car guy. You go, what? What? Yeah, you, don't, you don't remember that. You should be thrilled just to be riding in this thing. My sometime co-host, uh, Paul Zuckerman um, – has crashed twice in the last two years in 356s and had to be kind of peeled out of the car yeah. and still still drives them oh, still yeah, and still yeah. enjoys it well, because I, I, it's this you know I don't know you know there's a reason classic car insurance is cheap <laughs> my Countach is 600 bucks a year to insure really because a if it breaks they mm. know I drag it back to the shop and I fix it right I don't I go in a big circle. And I go back to where the car originated. I don't park it on the street. Mm-hmm. I use it when I'm at the top of my game and my wits are about me and I'm paying attention. Because classic car insurance is cheap because I know classic car people, even though they're driving somebody that doesn't have modern brakes and a lot of other things, they're paying attention. 
Right. I mean, distracted driving is the new DUI. Right. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the number of people. You know, as a motorcycle rider, I'm sure you know this, I would pull into an intersection, and I would see you coming towards me, and there would be an unconscious, just <laughs> the nod of the head, or mm -hmm. I, I would know that my eye hit his eye. Yeah. Now, when I pull into an action on a motorcycle, and I see somebody coming the way, as soon as they start to slow down, before they stop, the head goes down yeah, to the lap, down, and they're exactly. looking at the thing, and I go, hey, hey, be what? Oh, oh, you mm -hmm. know, and they wake them up. So that that's why, you know, driving an older car in some ways is safer because, A, you're into it, you enjoy it, you're not, oh, I got to get to the thing, where's the, mm -hmm. where's the piece of paper, where's the, you know. Let me, let me ask you, we got to go in a minute, but let me yeah. just ask you one other thing about your garage, because you have, again, I haven't seen it, but I've seen evidence of what you're doing down there. I remember once I saw you down at Santa Monica Airport, and you came over with this Oldsmobile Tornado, I think. Tornado. Tornado. And you had, and you said, very proudly said, I made these wheels. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. made the wheels. And then uh, somebody else told me, oh, yeah, Jay's uh, got a 3D printer. He's 3D printing parts. What? What? Give me a sense of your operation down there, if you would. Like, how many guys do you employ? Is this this is a real working, functioning garage? Oh, it's garage. a real function. We do have you paint three... there? Can you restore we there? We do paint. We do uh, interior. We do, uh, yeah, we do everything. Wow. With the 3D printer, we can make all the parts. So and you're just a self-contained operation with the exception well, you know of these is? specialized cars. You, you send stuff out to be done, mm -hmm. and someone's nice enough to let you use their paint booth. And then your car comes back, and there's dust in the paint. And you can't yell right. at the guy because he let you use his booth. In mm -hmm. fact, his booth wasn't clean or whatever. Um, <clears throat> are you putting on a mask and painting cars? Well, the guys do at the shop. I don't. Uh -huh. Um, um I would like to. I used to. Now I'm kind of got to pay for all the stuff, so you got to go work. But it works out good. I mean, all my guys have 100% health care and all that kind of stuff. Wow. All dental, that all that. That's really cool. You know, what yeah. about a uh, franchise? Jay Leno's Garage. Yeah, you want to lose town. money. You want to lose money. You know, don't make your hobby. I knew a dentist who always wanted to open a hot dog stand. And he opened one on one part of town. It did okay. And then he opened another one in the other part of town. It did okay. And he spent his life running between the two hot dog stands thinking he's going to be a franchise. And he lost his dental practice. You know? <laughs> he lost it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, to me, it's did like... Did he lose the hot dog practice? <laughs> well, that, that soon after. But, you know, I like to make love. I don't want to be a gynecologist. There you go. Okay. Jay Leno, everybody. You know his show, of course, on CNBC, Jay Leno's Garage. You know him. He's a fantastic car guy. He loves talking to people, so feel free to say hello yeah. to him next time you see him. Daniel's Garage, a show we never did talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't need to promote it here. Jay, thanks for coming no, i got to come man. back again. Real quick, before we go, when you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure that you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times, this isn't the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. This just happened to my brother. Well... With TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive market price. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. Next, TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. And don't we all want to feel confident? Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. You will work directly with a TrueCar Certified Dealer contact. TrueCar users are more likely to enjoy a fast buying process when they connect with TrueCar Certified Dealers. TrueCar users save an average of over $3,000 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. And guess what? I'm not telling you what features and what states. All right. Uh, next week we have for you Richard Rollins from Fast and Loud and then uh, Rob Cordry from Ballers uh, the following week after that. We'll see you next time on Spike's Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com.